So, uh, welcome to Noise Pollution. This is a podcast in which Harper and I are going to try to mine our conflict-ridden marriage for content, <laughs> because if you're going to live through this, you might as well get some content out of it, right? Yeah, I say that's true. <laughs> so the premise here is that uh, you know, throughout our marriage, we have had we haven't really aligned with the passive entertainment we enjoy. So I, I watch a lot of sports in kind of the traditional sort of sitcom marriage sort of way. I, I like that. She likes reality TV, chick flicks, that sort of stuff. Um, I wouldn't, okay, this is an oversimplification already. <laughs> I would say that I like things that are feel good and that are, that don't put me in a worse mental space than before I watch them. Don't make me fearful for my life when I walk down the street. I'm talking about murder mysteries that don't make me more sad than when I started and that make me appreciate my interpersonal relationships. Anyway, you can keep going now. Sports aren't. Sports are feel good. No, but you're talking about sports, but you also really like murder, downer movies and TV. Critically acclaimed thrillers and dramas. (laughs) Right. But at the end of a long day of work. Gritty crime dramas. (laughs) Right. And I like those two sometimes, but at the end of a long day of work, I don't really want to sit there and watch somebody be stalked and then murdered. I will say that marriage has ended up a lot more like a bad 90s sitcom than I expected. I thought <laughs> I thought I was a more complex character than that, and it turns out that I'm just Kevin James. Neither one of us from is. From King of Queens. Yeah. Right. What's the, what's, who's the actress from that show? Uh, Leah... Yeah, well, yeah, that's what it is. Re- Leah Ramini. Who's, yeah. Isn't she a Scientologist? Uh, she was. Yeah. yeah. She's not anymore? Correct. She's, huh. she's the one who's um, going clear. But I do like the comparison of you to an irrational religious <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> I was going to say something really mean, that you would be compared to a fat couch potato. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mean Oh, I'm that. glad you didn't say that. <laughs> to preface it by saying that I don't mean it. It's nice. It's not that, yeah. really true. Thank God, thank God you, you kept that one in the whole story. <laughs> Mavis. Mavis. Sorry. We won't be able to avoid that. So the premise here is that we don't, we don't really align on our entertainment choices. So as a way to try to bridge that cap and, and as a desperate <laughs> bid for attention from other people, we're going to introduce each other piece by piece to the stuff we enjoy watching. Um, and The best way to do that is with a podcast, because otherwise neither one of us would commit. Right. Yeah. Um, so the first thing we're going to do is I'm going to introduce Harper to college football by having her watch the Michigan versus Ohio State game that's today. Super pumped about it. So how, do you want do you want me to do you want me to give you like the the elevator pitch for why college football is great? Yeah. So college football should not exist. It's the most ridiculous of the four American four major American sports by a mile. The most ridiculous. It should be illegal, and in a hundred years, football in general, we probably will think it was. A ridiculous and unethical thing and this is the most unethical version of it because it's like a pseudo-professional you know 
the players don't get paid even though they're generating an enormous amount of revenue. It's super fucked up and it shouldn't exist. But And aren't there laws against them getting paid? There used to be and now they're now they're finally legally allowed to make money on their own image. So like until sponsorships. And- yes. Which up to a few years ago they actually were not allowed to get paid for their own images and their own likenesses, which is crazy. Um, and that house of cards is starting to fall apart. Basically, college football is kind of in the, I think it's like starting its death rattle. And it's going to change into something very, very different. It's too big of a conversation to have for this podcast, and it would be super boring. But the pitch for college football is that, so Michigan, Ohio State, they're two of the top five te- best teams in the country. But they've also had like a hundred plus year blood feud between them. Where, you know, it's they've I think they've played each other like 111 times, something like that, over, I don't know, close to 100 years, if not over 100 years. And there's this consistent identity in at the University of Michigan and the Ohio State University that, unlike professional sports franchises, has not changed. Same place, you know, new students, but people who go there kind of identify as Ohio State or Michigan for the rest of their lives. Same campus, same uniforms. You know, the players change, but there is a consistent identity that doesn't really exist necessarily, like with the Brooklyn Nets, who used to play in New Jersey, and like all of the players are new and all of the coaches are new, and there's no such thing as like a New Jersey Nets alumnus, right? Because of that, college football generates the most insane, over the top buy in and obsession, I think, of any of the major sports. Like there is no, there's nothing like the life or death insanity of like seventy thousand hammered college students who think they can change the outcome of a football game by screaming really loud. Um, that's the elevator pitch, is that they're settling a blood feud that's also actually in the context of the sport a super important game. All right, and this game, that's why this game is important as well, right? Because like of the history of this, these two teams. Yeah, well, it's two things. It's the rivalry. It's you know, arguably the biggest rivalry in the sport that's existed for like 100 years. But they're also, Ohio State's ranked number two in the country and Michigan's ranked number three in the country. They're both undefeated. Another, I don't know how deep to go into this. Another insane part of college football is that it's basically impossible to figure out who the best teams are because there are too many teams and they can't all play each other. And there's a really hard cap on the number of football games you can play in a given year because it just destroys TV or because it just destroys you physically. You know, you can't play yeah. like a 30 game football season because everyone would get hurt and like it, it just wouldn't work. Right. So because there's in the NFL, you know, not every team plays each other, but over a couple of years every team plays each other and they can have a full playoff and all of that. With this, you know, if you basically the way that they figure it out is there's a committee of people who decide kind of arbitrarily the rankings and only the top four teams by the end of the season actually get to compete for the national championship. So Ohio State's number two, Michigan's number three. So they're not going to be able to both be in the championship. Correct. Unless something really unusual happens, whichever, and it's at the very end of the season right now. So whichever one of these teams wins almost certainly gets to compete in the national championship for the national championship. The other team is probably done. So the stakes for this game are about as high as they can be in the world of college football. Why are there so many 
team. Like, it feels like there should be fewer relevant teams so that there can be more of a fair, you know, selection process for who ends up in the finals. There are just too many colleges. Now, you could make an argument. They do a pretty good job because there are only X number of teams that are good enough to do it. But every year, there are really good teams who get left out because there's only four teams who are allowed to compete. It's just another... College football makes no fucking sense. It shouldn't exist. And the whole premise is absurd. But they keep doing it. And so it ends up with situations like this where, you know, the stakes are wildly high and it all is just riding on one game. Yeah, that seems absurd. And especially when it's a sport where you're going to put your body on the line to such a degree. You know, if you're thinking, okay, I need to make this game worth it, make this game count, then you're going to probably throw your body around in more of a crazy way, cause more injuries to yourself, other people. Seems like a dangerous situation to be in. But at least you don't get paid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the next part about this podcast is that it's a, first of all, two things. One is I've never been a sports fan. I don't know anything about football other than the things that I learned in physical education class when I was in middle school. So part of this is to try to establish some common ground, allow us to allow me to appreciate the game that I am forced to watch constantly. And two, for me to also have some, some, uh, a stake in the fight. Is that the right expression? A dog in the fight. Dog in the fight, stake in the game. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, anyway, for me to have an opportunity to also bring Brian into something that I want to watch. So stay tuned for the next episode, which is going to be Brian watching and reacting to Love is Blind and us talking about that. But anyway, the uh, we want to explain the name of the podcast, which is Noise Pollution. Noise Pollution is what Harper referred to Harper calls the background noise of sports noise pollution. And that's basketball, football, all of it. She just has to be around it all the time, so she calls it noise pollution. And the reason it's noise pollution is because there's never a moment of silence. Basketball, even when they're playing, people are screaming, shouting. The The sneaker squeak is its own form of torture when you're not following the game. Now, listen, I like basketball more than I like football, but the sneaker squeak really gets me. So that's for basketball. For football, the crowd never shuts up. They're just screaming, booing, making noise. It's absurd to be sitting in a room with that game on and not be following it and try to do anything other than hear that noise. This is making me feel pretty pessimistic about (laughs) how this is going to play out. No, because the difference is if I'm paying attention, it doesn't bother me Mm. because I'm not trying to do something else while it's on. So... I think that this will really help. Basically, the reason we're doing this podcast is it will really help our marriage, I think. <laughs> we're desperate for we're, anything. We need something. Neither one of us wants to do therapy right now, so podcast it is. <laughs> um, I like attention. Yeah, that's yeah. the other reason is that Brian and I both like to talk and be recorded while we're talking because we think that we have some important stuff to say. Can I... Can I give you something to look for that hopefully you can enjoy, make you enjoy this game a little bit more. Yeah, so that's one of the things he's going to do is give me assignments, questions to ask myself while I'm watching the game so that I don't just zone out because I usually just zone out. So the quarterback of one of these teams is is considered to be one of like the two best quarterbacks in the country. 
and will probably be drafted in the top five picks in the NFL, which means, you know, he'll basically means he's, he's kind of considered to be one of the, one of the most talented players and most important players in the country. I'm curious if just parachuting in, you can actually differentiate which one of them is that guy. Um, Curious, curious, like, you know, to me it feels obvious, but I also just know that information going in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how to analyze the game. Uh, at least Not I, really. I, I, maybe. I don't know. Every <laughs> every guy thinks he can, like, yeah. explain football to a girl. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that will be our one audience member's it's kinda, uh, or listener's uh, decision. I guess it's kind of like how every every woman is like, I'm a great judge of character. I always know who the good person in the room is. It's the, it's how guys feel about football. They always feel like they can explain the rules of football to someone. And yeah, all right. So we're about to start watching the game. I'll keep that in mind. I'm also probably gonna jot down questions or thoughts that I have about the game while we're watching, and we'll see where it goes. All right, and it's been a split second for you and several hours for us. So we're back. Ready to talk about this wonderful game that I love. Mm. So, what'd you think? Do we should we summarize? These people, we don't have listeners. So yeah, these ghosts. Theori- that are- <laughs> theoretical <laughs> listeners may not have watched you. Michigan won 40, 45 to twenty three, something like that. Forties to twenties. Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. I would say overall. I think it was a. A very close, exciting game until the very end when Michigan kind of blew them to pieces. Do you think they just gave up? I don't think they gave up. Or do you think Michigan is just that much better in, like, pressure moments? I don't think so. I think those things tend to cascade a little bit. I think maybe the last long touchdown run, there was an element of, like, kind of everything falling apart. But I I think if you play that game again, Ohio State might win the game, interestingly. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So, so my assignment. Yeah. Watch one of my assignments. Watching, it's the primary one. Was who do I think the best quarterback was? Who's the one that's the? Yeah, the top pick for the draft. Or one of the yeah. Um. I think it's probably Michigan. But uh, initially, when I first started watching, I thought that the Ohio State quarterback was doing a good job of making small gains and made a lot of completions, but they weren't necessarily touchdown completions. But then the Michigan State quarterback, or sorry, Michigan State, right? Michigan. Michigan quarterback. (laughs) The Michigan quarterback was good in pressure moments. Like I could tell that if he was about to get sacked, he would still complete a pass. It seemed like uh, potentially – would be able to convert better in higher pressure moments, which probably is what the NFL is always. So that's probably why he might be the top pick for the draft. Wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's actually, so CJ Stroud. So my, my initial instinct was actually good then. Correct, yeah. Yeah. yeah you was, tricked me. I didn't trick you. You I, tricked me. No, I didn't. Yes, because I said that, and then you... I just sat in silence the whole time. No, I no, never, no, but you said... Like, there were a couple of plays, right when I started to say that I thought it was Ohio State, there were a couple of plays that the Michigan guy did where you were like, wow, did you see that play? And you were like, no, all excited. No, I, I was talking about the game. The guy completed a bunch of long passes. 
Okay, well, that's interesting to know. Yeah, the starting quarterback for Ohio State is likely going to be a top five pick in the draft. He's considered one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the sport in college. But that's the thing. Football football is very contextual, and they're relying on 10 other people to do really specific jobs correctly, and the other, you know, your wide receivers to get open, your offensive linemen to block, and all that stuff. So it, it is really difficult to, you know, kind of parachute in and judge a single player. But what the NFL looks for, they look for, like, big, fast, strong guys who can throw it really far, and that's, you know... Even though he didn't really succeed, that's what he is. But yeah, no, that's that's I'm interested. That's an interesting outcome that you were so sure that it was the Michigan guy. Well, but I I feel like I was so sure that I feel like as an outsider, I came in and I was like, what what are football people gonna like? And I feel like they're gonna like high pressure people who do well in high pressure pressure situations. But what I liked and what I respected more, I, I think partly because we play ultimate, and I like I like. Don't tell them that. <laughs> Don't do that. No, that's but embarrassing. I think, but I think I was I like gaining yards and making smart plays that will be completed. And I feel like the Michigan, what the Michigan guy didn't do was make a lot of like smaller gains to advance the play. He made a lot of big throws, and that was kind of where it stopped. I mean, he, of course, he made some completions too, you know, that were shorter. But the Ohio guy reliably made little gains every pretty much every play. So. Yeah, the Michigan. I, I really felt like the. I actually thought through three quarters, Ohio State was better, mm-hmm. straight up better, yeah. and that Michigan had two or three plays where they kind of like busted the coverage of Ohio State and had giant gains, and those plays are extremely valuable. You know, they're scoring a touchdown from you know sixty yards away, which is basically a cataclysmic event. Mm-hmm. The other thing about them, a lot of the time, is that they're kind of there's some chance involved, like some luck. You you just kind of like making a single big it's a big single critical moment rather than consistently grinding a team down and I thought Ohio State was going to come back and win until the end because I just I thought they were a better team I bet if you played this game 10 times Ohio State would win like seven times yeah yeah but that's that's also just complete nonsense from an idiot so no well one of the things that I was thinking while I was watching too is you asked me about the quarterback and it felt like even though I keep hearing, especially in the NFL, that the quarterback makes the team and, like, the quarterback tends to take the victor on his back and be like, I am responsible for the victory because I'm whatever. I feel like, at least in college or at least in this game, it seemed so much like the rest of, like, the support staff was really important. And, like, it was hard to know if the defense was shutting the quarterback down or the quarterback was failing on his own. It was hard to tell if the quarterback looked good because the receiver was good or if... The receiver was just average and the quarterback was good. You know, those are the things that I can't really pick up on. Right. And that really change the way the individual players look on the field. Right. Um, I'm curious, did you enjoy watching the game? Um, I think you could probably answer, you could probably chart the trajectory of my attention based on my interest. So initially, I was excited about the podcast, and I was paying attention, and then as the game continued on, my attention decreased a little bit, and you had to start telling me when the plays were starting. Which is a lot of fun. (laughs) But 
I think overall I liked it better having a goal in mind than I would if I didn't have a goal in mind, which speaks to just sports fandom in general. I feel like people follow the lives of the players and like get invested in the team's story beyond just the game at hand and the athleticism. See, I, I think that I would have thought that football would be really good for you because there's so much, so many stoppages and like kind of interstitial slow moments that you can just text or look at Instagram or whatever, or just kind of pop your eyes up for 10 seconds out of every minute. And it really just didn't seem to, didn't seem to work for you. Well, okay. So listen to this. The reason I think that with something like sports, that is somewhat narrative based. Like you have to watch the beginning to the end to know who's going to win. You have to like follow the ups and downs. I think that for me, the thing that holds my attention more is continuous action. Mm. Because when I look away, I zone out or I'm not, I'm not able to like, cause I'm not trained in it and not that interested. My ears don't pick up when there's going to be a new play starting. Whereas for you, when you look away, you're like keeping your ears peeled for the announcers to try to listen for when the next play is going to start and you can tune back in. But for yeah. me, I just do the thing that I took up in the downtime. It is the perfect sport for the, the dopamine rush of social media where you yeah. can just, just hit the Twitter algorithm repeatedly. I also think what you do... And while also check in with the game. I also think what you do with your friends is you text them about the game. Sometimes, yeah. 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 So, like, you're texting, but you're not just texting about something random that's unrelated. You're not making plans for sushi for for tonight, you know? All right, what do you got? All right, so a couple of thoughts. First is... I know I'm not supposed to say that we play Frisbee, but we do. And a lot of the time, there's a lot of controversy in the sport about whether throwers are going to favor certain receivers. A lot of the time within Frisbee, it's that male throwers will favor male male receivers and won't throw to women. That's kind of like a narrative within the Frisbee scene. But um, I'm wondering a couple of things. One, is that true within football? Like, do some receivers get looked off even though they might actually be able to make good plays just because the quarterback doesn't really believe that they can? And at the same time, because it's college, and not all of these players are good enough to make it to the NFL, for example, I imagine that the the best players on the team, the ones that are NFL hopefuls, are probably significantly better than everybody else. So does the play end up running through those, you know, four people on every team just because they're, they are, you know, definitely better? Uh, I mean, the first, the first one, yeah, I don't think there's any sort of like kind of like ethical controversies, controversy about it because first of all, no women play football. There's no mixed football and there's no but there could be team dynamics that That's true, right? But I think most mostly that is kind of chalked up to meritocracy. The the other thing I think that's kind of important to to acknowledge is that the that Sports played at the level we just watched are just so much more choreographed and structured than any sort of like, you know, league frisbee or even club frisbee that, you know, this they have coaching staffs that are bigger than frisbee teams. They have like 30, 40 coaches, you know, their, their scouting process and tryout process and like the process by which they choose who's starting and who's getting the ball are just so meticulous 
that it really is probably the best players that get the ball and get to start. I'm sure there's some controversies within that, within that. I'm sure there's, you know, infighting and stuff, but it's not something that kind of reaches the national consciousness, generally speaking, because most mostly it's the best player. You know, there's just such a strong impetus to win. You know, there's millions of dollars at stake. A lot of these guys are, you know, on the brink of making a million dollars to play or the coaches are making a ton of money. So really, like, success is kind of the only goal. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that really doesn't kind of reach sports at this level too much um the other point is interesting there i would say in college football there absolutely are players that are kind of dominant individual players like we saw that today with the michigan running back donovan edwards um you see that a lot with like elite wide receivers and elite quarterbacks and what about number number six six on on michigan it's hard i I mean i don't really know michigan football enough he was a, a wide receiver who caught two long touchdown passes it's hard to know if that was just a fluky thing where he just made a really good play a couple times or if he's legitimately a dominant player. Um, but college football is definitely kind of calibrated to individual dominance a lot of the time because the talent's more diluted. So in the NFL, it's harder for one player to dominate because it's just 30 teams and everyone is so good. But in college football, there's certainly a lot of individual dominance, kind of reliance on single players, for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely seemed that way. The other the other thing that kind of, like, piggybacks onto that that I was thinking about is, you know, I kind of touched on it earlier, but you were asking me which quarterback is better, and it seems like Ohio's – I don't – maybe this is just because of the quarterback being better, but it seems like Ohio's receivers were more reliable, too, because there was a, more of a variety of receivers used. Like, whereas they yeah. used Edwards – for most of the big plays at Michigan, but it fe- it felt like for o- <clears throat> for Ohio State they used at least four receivers throughout the game. Yeah, I think Ohio State has probably has more top to bottom talent. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. It like seemed like their play been... was more dynamic, and Ohio... I, I could, can't comment on defense at all, but for offense for sure. Ohio State's Ohio State won a national championship seven years ago, and they're the, they're the only team that isn't from the southeast United States to win a championship in like fifteen years. So they are, I think, kind of historically more talented at this point than Michigan. But they beat, they lost to them twice in a row. They lost, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so the other, the other, one of the other things that's kind of on topic for our podcast that I was thinking is the opposite of tennis. This is essentially the opposite of tennis in terms of respect level. Like tennis is this really regimented, respectful game. And a big part of football is like what your home – fans are doing during the game like you were explaining to me like what, what, what you you should explain it. what were you saying about the noise that the fans will make yeah so it was a home game for ohio state and the entire goal of the crowd is to be as loud as possible when michigan has the ball to cause them to make mistakes to miscommunicate miscommunicate make mistakes. Yeah. yeah and that's something that the fans like that they consider that to be like their their job yeah but that's such an it's great. Crazy thing. No, it's to, great. But if you but if you're somebody who's like I've watched more tennis than I've watched football probably yeah. at this point. Maybe not anymore, but it's so quiet when you watch tennis. Like the spectators for tennis are should be fading into the background and it's a respect thing. It feels like the game of tennis is more respectful. It makes the tennis players soft. <laughs> but I feel like for football, I mean, noise pollution is is the fans' job. I think that tennis should be played with people hurling insults and possibly water balls, bottles at them. That's how you find out who the real tennis player is. If they can 
successfully get a second. It's just not the nature of the game. If they can get a second serve in as a water bottle clocks them in the back of the head and people drop F-bombs on them. (laughs) Football's awesome. Agree to disagree. (laughs) Agree to disagree. Uh, The last point that I have, unless you have something else that you want to insert before a kind of jokey point. No, I got nothing. All right. Is... We witnessed a couple fights today between the players. Fantastic. It's hilarious. Fantastic. They look like little like little children. They put their helmets up to each other. They look like they're about to kiss. Mm-hmm. It looks it looks like a tender moment. It doesn't look like they're fighting at all. Yeah. The only thing that tells me that they're fighting is that all the other players are swarming as well. If, but otherwise, just looks like they're making out. If you zoom out far enough on angry masculine dudes, it always is hilarious. <laughs> It is never really, not funny. It's really that's really yeah. true. That's it looks really very true. intimate and affectionate. Yeah. And yeah, it does. It looks like they're making a deep connection and staring it, into each other's eyes. And it's just so petulant. Just like banging their little face masks together. <laughs> it's so good. The little the little heads and the little face, the little grill of their faces. It kind of. <laughs> it's good. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, that's all we got. Um, next ne- next episode's gonna be Love Is Blind. Brian's gonna react to episode one. So am I. Um, we'll, uh, we'll catch you, whoever you are, if you exist, then. All right.